0: Have you ever heard the expression, there's no there, there? Well, let's ask the question. Is there, there, there? That's our podcast from the full-service digital storytelling agency, Graphic Machine. I'm Matt Staub. I'm a partner here at Graphic Machine, here with the other two partners of Graphic Machine, which are Patience Jones. Hello. And Brian Jones. Hello. This week, episode 65, the subscription edition. I said it right in the first try. Nice. Nice. There's a shift happening very slowly and the market's having a hard time, but it seems like we have a future going away from ownership, at least in some things toward subscribing and paying for access. You see it in the shift away from buying albums or buying even iTunes songs. And now Apple music or Spotify being a subscription service. You see it in cars where instead of having your own car, you may buy a subscription service to have access to a car when we're used to, especially in the United States owning everything and having our own dominion over things, will us catch on and what will the process be? And what are the applications for smaller businesses to take advantage of this trend? Answer all those questions right now. (laughs) Go. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I think
1: that business owners are really starting to take this to heart because before you might've had something in a business service realm, such as a retainer. For a long time, people looked at that as a set amount of money to not necessarily perform work, but to be on contract for work. And I think over the years, people have looked for a way to regulate their cash flow, but also make it so that they get some sort of executable for that amount of money. So So, let's
0: pick that apart, because retainer is traditionally how in the agency world we would talk about a subscription. You retain our services... By subscribing to us, you don't know when you pay that fee exactly how much you're going to use it. You don't get a physical CD. You don't say, for this $5,000, I get a website. You just have this sort of access. right? And that's still a difficult concept for a lot of people. Do you think that's the same challenge for consumers in this regard? I absolutely
1: do, because I think that you end up in a situation where people like the cleanness of transactions. That's why it's taking time for it to take hold. And it's interesting that music seems to be the sort of entry point of mass expansion for this idea. In the last, what, three to five years, you've seen people going from having their own personal library of music to having a library that they subscribe to have access to.
2: With music, what they don't do, though, is say, you have six listens this month. Listen to whatever you want. They say, here's a library. Listen to whatever you want. You could listen to Spotify 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just a matter of what devices you have access to. That mindset, I think, of if I'm paying a subscription fee, I get access to everything, is not going to apply to lots of different types of goods and services. So, the challenge or the opportunity, I think, is how do we educate people on what's reasonable to expect with a subscription? And the ones that I think are most successful are software as service type subscriptions where they say okay this level you get access to this product this number of hours of support use it or lose it every month that happens
0: and that's what adobe did and people lost their ever loving minds because it's such a shift it's so instead of buying photoshop for whatever 800 dollars it is to buy <laughs> the license now we pay 50 bucks a month per seat basically right to get mm-hmm. Adobe's full range of software. With all the upgrades. All the upgrades, the latest stuff. It's a really great deal because we use it all day. But I think for other people, it was a big shift. So now you pay for access to the software instead of buying the software and owning your license to it. And we're
1: seeing the shift happen in terms of how people look at having a physical box of software, which hasn't existed for many years. That was sort of the first step to go away. And the second step is the idea that it has an expiration date. Adobe is interestingly taking advantage of this regulated cash flow to innovate their software more frequently, whereas they had to put their timeline for people's pain point for paying for it over a couple of years before they did upgrades because people would get upgrade exhaustion.
0: Now you just get an automatic download of the latest
1: update. I think it was either T-Mobile or maybe it was Sprint. I forget who did a service where you signed up and you get a new phone every six to eight months, whatever the newest version of your phone was, that would be what you would get. It's an interesting attempt at the same sort of idea of constantly getting the latest without having to be asked for a re-up of your cash commitment on something.
2: Subscriptions are great for people selling them because it's predictable cash flow, and they're great for people buying them because it's predictable cash outlay. I think the rub comes when people don't understand either what they're getting or
1: what they're supposed to be providing. Do you think that there's a loss in terms of customization? Because part of the reason why you would buy a car, as an example, is that you can customize your car to within an inch of its life, essentially, with all the different elements. And if you're subscribing to a car, you no longer have that customization option, necessarily. You kind of get whatever's available at the moment. Sort of like with Zipcar, as an example of that. It's kind of the trade-off,
2: though, of do you rent a house or do you own a house? you do either for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to make the financial commitment to a house. Maybe you're not sure about where you're going to live. Maybe you don't want to deal with the maintenance. I think on either end of the spectrum, there's nothing that says you get to have everything that you want for the financial setup that you want. With a rental, you can hang pictures. Maybe you can paint the walls. You can't take a wall down. You can't put a wall up. So you know that those are the limitations going in, much like with maybe an off-the-shelf calendar software subscription. Mm -hmm. You know that there are going to be limitations, but you're trading that for the convenience of not having to build it yourself.
0: But Brian, really what you're kind of asking, if I'm understanding it correctly, is getting to that sort of vanity and pride of ownership, right? That it is yours. It is customized. It's your fuzzy dice on the rearview mirror. That is a fundamental sort of American tradition. And it's a big headwind to this model, probably.
1: I'm thinking like, okay, so you go to a suburban shop, let's say, for instance, you've driven there. Does the future model look like I drive out there in one car and I drive back in another because that was a car that was available? And I'm using cars because I think it's the trickiest one of these that's going to change, but I do think it will change. But what is the marketing thing that would have to change in people's minds to convince them that this was something that they could get on board with? What would they be willing to give up from a customization standpoint in exchange for this new thing?
0: For me, it's value. I mean, at some point, the economies of scale of not everyone owning their big metal box that costs $30,000, it'll be a model like Uber. I think Uber's investments are showing that they're thinking driverless cars and they're going to be the engine, if they have it their way, for requesting virtual driverless rides everywhere and it'll just be whatever car is dispatched to you. PJ, what do you think in terms of what the breaking point might be?
2: If we look at customization, not as customization as the end, but it's a manifestation of desire for control. Mm. So I don't want my car customized because I can't go anywhere without being in a bedazzled car seat. I want it customized because I have control over that. Gets hot in the summer. Exactly. (laughs) And spiky. I get to say how I want it to look. I have my car. I get to say where I get to go, when I get to go, who I get to take with me, and what of my personal belongings I get to schlep along with me (laughs) everywhere I go. That, I think, is a kind of deep-seated thing that happens when people don't feel like they have control over other aspects of their life. And if they're stuck in a job that they hate, if they're stuck in a place that they don't want to be desire for control starts to seep out in all these little ways like I have to have my own car what's I have identity to have my, right? right I have to have my own lawn ornaments or whatever the thing is so I think that question is a much bigger one that goes back to life purpose and all that kind of
1: thing well I look at when we were using Zipcar and that was sort of the early person in this space and it's interesting that they haven't been more of a front runner because they kind of already were pretty far along But the experience of Zipcar was great, and then it really diminished over time. And it seemed like the longer the cars were on the road, the more when you got in the car, it was kind of gross because people, because they don't have ownership, they don't necessarily take care of it. They don't see it as a shared resource and that there's some sort of responsibility there. So I don't know how you factor that in to elongating that. If that's truly the goal and that's something that's desirable culturally, what can you do to sell that? knowing that that's sort of what has already happened in a previous example.
0: It all goes back to PJ's previous point about virtual versus actual goods and the scalability of those. It's really easy to imagine a subscription service where if it's digital, if it's music plays and every artist gets three cents every time it gets played, you can scale that to infinity if your pricing structure's right, but you have a fixed amount of cars that will eventually have the wheels fall off. You know, it's a real constraint. It has a degradation too. yeah. yeah.
2: And the thing that you were talking about, how they sort of decline over time as more people use them, trivia fact, called in property law, the tragedy of the commons, which is that the more people that you have using a resource, the less ownership people have in it, and so therefore nobody takes care of it and it declines. In a virtual product, you don't have that. When you're sharing a subscription to a tangible resource, it's going to become degraded over time.
0: Which is kind of an adjunct to the economic principle Of the free rider problem, which is, you know, somebody else can take care of it and I don't have to, then I won't do it. But if everyone had that mentality, society would fall apart. Exactly. What we're talking about, I think, is
2: not so much a shared asset or a shared resource, but a product or service. And instead of me buying it in a one-time thing, I buy it it in what basically amounts to kind of installments, you -hmm. know, indefinite installments.
0: I want to explore the psychology of a subscription model. For me personally, I've subscribed to as much stuff as I can. I don't want to buy hard drives and stick them in my closet to store my photos. I want to pay for a cloud service, but I'm not a good example. I'm an early adopter. One of the big fears is that they might just pull this out from under me or change the terms or the price might get away from me. So there's a, not just to the control of, I have some identity. This is my car. I can pimp it out however I want. It's my dominion, but also the control of your own destiny we were talking about this today because it's Amazon Prime Day. Amazon Prime is the subscription service for Amazon where you pay 100 bucks a year and you get free two-day shipping and access to a bunch of streaming services and other things. If you do the math on Amazon Prime and you only get it so you get the free two-day shipping, you would have to order stuff like all the time to actually justify the price of the subscription versus just paying a little extra for two-day shipping. But you sort of disconnect those two things. I'm not going to pay the extra two bucks to ship it overnight because that's frivolous. But when you pay the $99 and get it for free, so it's just kind of changing that psychology. And I think there's there's opportunities in other businesses, I think, for that, don't you think? There's the idea of loss. When you
1: buy a physical product and you pay the one-time fee, you have made peace at a fundamental level that it has a lifespan to it. With subscriptions, you're sort of saying that this is something that will be with me in perpetuity. Will they be these sort of zombie services that people are ultimately subscribed to because they're not willing to let it go because it's housing some thing that they had from 10 years ago? What does it look like in 10 years? Having said that, I think it absolutely is the way that things are headed and it is very important for business services to get their heads around how this impacts their business.
2: Somebody I was talking to the other day said her rule is no one platform. She can't have everything for her business in one system for precisely the reasons that Matt talked about, you know, what if the company goes out of business? What if there's a software issue, whatever aside from that, I think if the thing that's stopping you from doing that is this fear that someday the resource won't be there or it'll be defunct is maybe not a good one. That house where you're storing all those boxes of photos could burn down. Somebody could break in. You could have a flood. There are a jillion unforeseen things that could happen both to the traditional ways of doing things and to the virtual ways. So be cautious, but don't keep yourself from doing something that makes sense for your business because of that.
0: And millions of people are using these tools, so there's going to be a transition plan. There will be a future for you, I think, in these tools if they change or evolve. They will change or evolve, and you'll go with them. Or the robots will make you go with them. (laughs) It only took 15 minutes into the show for people to... (laughs) So one last hypothetical, and I think this also explores the idea of the virtual versus fixed resource. If a coffee shop or some sort of repeated type of business, I mean, we talked a little bit about how we talked about subscriptions instead of retainer, but it was a little bit of a weird concept because people still think of retainers, but subscriptions in terms of very simple transactions, like your morning coffee, because that's a physical product and they think I got to get my money's worth versus if I don't play... 40 hours of Spotify this week, I didn't get my money's worth. It's not really the same mentality, but if I didn't drink all that coffee, I didn't get my money's worth. Do you think if the coffee shop said a hundred bucks a month for every day, you get your coffee, people will just abuse it? And
1: I think you flipped a model. If price is your only attribute, then it's a zero sum game. If you go at it as like, okay, in the coffee shop, subscribers have a special line or the coffee cup is already set out for them with their name on it in the morning and it's ready for them when they get there and they have a special pot that's designed for them. There's lots of different ways where it is about a new tier of service that didn't exist before. You use it to enhance your personal relationship with your customers. And I think that's where you really win the battle and you get away from price competitiveness. Yeah.
0: So that's what I get for being a regular. So I would resent that maybe, but I think maybe there's a paradigm shift that could happen towards something like that. PJ, what do you think?
2: There was an episode of Shark Tank, which is a show I freaking love and everyone should watch it. There was a business that came in that wanted to do a subscription-based coffee delivery service. So every month they would send you bags of coffee from different micro-roasters around the country. It was basically the cost of going to the store and getting the same sizes of coffee. It was not funded, and my recollection of the reasoning is because all of the investors thought going to get a cup of coffee is such a spur of the moment decision. And it's such a luxury that we allow ourselves that nobody wants to remove that experience and have that in their home. Cause right. that was a whole pitch like this coffee house at your home. And they said, you know, the whole point of it is it's social. You get to make the decision. You interact with the barista. That's what people like in the coffee shop example. I think there are maybe not, subscription for like x amount for x number of coffees and maybe it's not like you're a subscriber but maybe you're a premium member or something and then you get regular type things you could argue that such a thing exists without ever being called out and that you are a member of it if there were such a thing as a premium customer you would be in that category by virtue of being the regular and you don't pay less than other people, but you get more, if that
0: makes any sense. You pay more over time. And that's part of the psychology, too, is if you illuminated how much you're spending every month on coffee, $4 at a time, you probably would buy less. So you don't want to highlight that by doing a subscription service, perhaps. And we didn't even touch on how everything has a subscription model now, your razor blades and your clothes and your snacks. In the
1: millennial generation, there's less of a tendency to have brand fidelity. And so it's a stand in for that now by getting people to subscribe you've created loyalty in a more direct way than you used to get through creating affinity
0: yeah and now the subscription services have strong brands and affinity like you know dollar shave club for mm-hmm. instance has very yep. very strong
2: see i think of it not so much as brand affinity or lack thereof but convenience if i subscribe through amazon for instance to get toilet paper delivered i don't do this but if i did That's great because it's one less thing I have to worry about. Mm. And I kind of care less about what brand it is than that it's done for me. You don't
0: enjoy going to the Costco checkout line and interacting? I actually really do. Well, that's...
2: (laughs) I love the people who work at our Costco. The Linwood Costco in Kansas City cannot be beat. The people there are amazing. Highly recommend it.
0: On that note, we're going to change this subscription over to the next segment of the show. That is the Out There's and There There's. Out There's are things that we discovered out on the internet or that you guys shared with us that we will share with you at this time. And There There's are things that didn't go great. We'll also share those with you. I never say that we'll share those with you, but that goes without saying, because why would we put them on the show? Let's start (laughs) this week with Miss Patience Jones.
2: Well, let's. That sounds very sassy. So, this <laughs> <laughs> my out there this week is something that Brian sent me, which is a video by a director named Alex Pompliano, and it is a mashup of clips of Peggy Olsen from Mad Men, charting the trajectory of her career in advertising, set to Drake's song started from the bottom. And it is amazing. Stop whatever you're doing, hit pause, go watch it. And then come back because
0: so, it's killer. So I will represent authentically the ignorant listener here. I don't watch the show, but she's become sort of a cult hero because she has kind of badass and so her character didn't starts, take shit from nobody. Kind of.
2: Well, her character starts off episode one in the fifties as a secretary at an ad agency, and over the course of the series, she works her way up. Not surprising, especially at that time in history. She encounters no small amount of pig-headed bosses and sexual harassment, and she's nobody's wallflower, and that becomes clear several episodes in. Her character is not, like, drop-dead gorgeous, so she doesn't get stuff handed to her because of how she looks. She has to work four times as hard as anybody else but she gets hers in the end and she looks really good doing it because
1: she's Peggy Olsen.
0: So would this mini drama make sense to people that weren't fans of the show?
1: I think, think so. Yeah, I think it shows both in look and how she carried herself yeah,
2: throughout you the can, series. You can, tell. You can well, definitely
0: tell the early episodes. Her carrying her box of office supplies oh, yeah. out with her sunglasses on has become a meme of okay. like feminist empowerment. So that's And that's
2: cool. how this video starts. And I had forgotten because it had been so long ago. The very first episode where you're introduced to her, she's carrying her cardboard box of things uh, into the office. You see her, and it's like a different person. You wouldn't yeah. even recognize her.
0: Beautiful bookends. Mm-hmm. Brian, what is the opening bookend of your Out There? there so
1: day? mine is a Out There. It's actually a project we're working on called Letters to CEOs, which is a project that we started to highlight the changes in downtown Kansas City and potentially invite CEOs and companies from around the country or world to check out downtown Kansas City as a place for their business. The first week we raised awareness. This week people are voting on the various companies that they suggested. And next week we're actually going to ask people to write letters and submit letters to the companies and CEOs.
2: So just to recap, last week you took suggestions for what companies and CEOs, whittled it down to, I think, 50. Yep. Those 50, the 15 or 20 that get the most votes that's who the letters will be written to. Correct?
0: That's right. Okay. Yeah. And what's beautiful about this and Brian has done all of this stuff is people really are writing letters, which is crazy. Like We're writing actual letters and through this system, the connections will be made to actual CEOs. But bigger than that is this idea of this environment is thriving and it's a wonderful place to have a business and you guys are missing it. And what's your problem? And that, Putting that in front of them and then the sort of absurdity of, of letter writing campaign to CEOs, which is brilliant in its absurdity as, as well as its practicality, I guess, is that it's generating a lot of buzz. You've been on the radio and featured in the newspaper and yep. it's pretty cool just in, on both of those fronts and it highlights like, now is the time. Where are you guys? We're waiting for you. We've made the investment. Come join us in this innovative community we call home. People have a lot of places that they might
1: consider for businesses. It's never a bad idea to say, you know what? This is a good place. Brilliant PR campaign. And we've already had some inquiries from places outside the region that are like, hey,
2: hmm, what's this about? So I think right on.
0: Another one of those crazy projects that we sort of quietly do in the studio just because it's sort of mission driven. And then people notice so loudly that we have to talk about it. So there you go. We'll take it. Well, mine is a quick grab bag. I have one of each. I have an out there and a there there, just because okay. I'm in a mood. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Get off my Get lawn. Off the lawn. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> one is the app called Time Hop, which Time Hop is an app where it shows you what you were doing on this day by looking at your social posts, your check-ins, your photos. If they're on your phone still, it can go back and look at those. Your Facebook posts, whatever networks you authorize it for. And it can tell you what you were doing this day. This particular day I was traveling three of the last seven years or something. And it's really interesting to see. I was in North Carolina climbing a mountain. I love using social mostly as a journal, especially when I travel and especially location services to remember where I visited and revisit those and sort of relive the joy of travel or the joy of experience or just what I was thinking five years ago. It's super useful for me and interesting. So I was like looking at my time hop. So that's an app you can install Cool on both Android and iOS. Awesome. It's very cool. Yeah. I love it. My they're there for all I'm sorry, of media, I, just,
2: I love how the tone of your voice changed. I, that was
0: amazing. I, I do this as the host, you know Ooh. to make sure it's clear that, that the clear. tone is changing. Can we stop talking about Donald Trump? First of all, all the polls are meaningless right now. People have never heard of any of the other candidates. so of course he's leading in the polls and it's a clown show and it's a joke. I'm very guilty of enjoying all this news because it's a shit show. I disagree with them mostly, but there are some really smart and interesting candidates in this. And so I hope we can get past this circus and get to a real campaign. And I hope for you know politics in the United States so we can stop talking about Donald Trump so much. Every candidate is being asked about Donald Trump's role in the race instead of their own ideas. And we complain about people never talking about ideas. Well then what are we doing? It's so beyond absurd. His
2: whole candidacy and presence and i'm half expecting a tweet from him that says like you're stupid for saying this so i won't he's go probably got
0: people yeah
2: he probably does
0: he sued everyone i
2: think it's almost like if there was just a flaming pile of poo that was dropped on the sidewalk that was like life size you couldn't not talk about it yeah is it distasteful does it smell bad absolutely but it's there and oh my god
1: you can't not talk about it. But
0: at it. some point, you're like, okay, it continues to stink. Are we going to get to that point? Is it going to take him After going away? the primary it? I mean,
1: yeah. it just hasn't reached its burnout rate yet.
0: Just like everything,
1: there's a market saturation, and then it begins to decline. And it will be really fun to find out what that moment will be, because I cannot wait.
2: Usually, it's driven by shame, yeah. and he doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. So there doesn't seem to be anything that you could put out there that he would go, oh, yeah, you know what? I need to tone that down dude just doubles
0: down. I think it's probably strategic. And the irony is not lost on me that we're discussing it right now. So
2: I think if I were in that party, especially if I were party leader, I would be completely furious and doing everything that I could to get him out of the way because he is distracting from any kind of real message. The party leaders have requested that he withdraw, they've requested that he step down, they've requested that he keep his mouth shut, that he withdraw his lawsuits. He's like, no, screw you. I'm Donald Trump. What a joy. I'm Sideshow Bob. I'm going to do whatever I'm doing, and I'm going to keep on keeping on.
0: Well, on that note, this podcast is fired. That was episode (laughs) 65. I know, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Episode 65, the subscription edition for all the stuff we talked about on the show, excluding... Donald Trump will not be linking to anything related to that. (laughs) You can check out the show page, graphicmachine.com slash ITTT. Check us out on Facebook where there is a thread for every show. You can come join the conversation about what we discuss. Tell us if we're on track or just say hi. Facebook.com slash inc is where those live. You can also send us an email with your ideas and suggestions. ITTT at graphicmachine.com. On Twitter, we are Graphic Machine as the agency and their podcast as the show. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.